0: still Peter Burson and welcome to another thrilling edition of Money Talks and Bullshit Walks, the history of Philadelphia from 1980 to present, green to Kenny. With me today as always is Joe Willard who is a constant reminder to me that my limitations are limitless. Joe texts, he arranges basic computer tutorials which despite Joe's painstaking work to date, have been a total waste of his time. So say hello, Joe.
1: I will say hello once again to Peter and his great tech skills.
0: Joe, I I do have several updates for all the Podsters. The communist collective sharing of the home computer has all but fallen into the dustbin of history. As Mrs. Podster has contracted out for so much work, She has become too tired to assume control of the computer. She appears to be satisfied with that situation. I've not asked her about her satisfaction. I have the Bill Clinton rule on that subject. Don't ask, don't tell. Mrs. Potster has informed me that she is headed for Florida visiting family and to resolve her fee dispute with Bombastic Pushkin. She tells me she had a solid lead on the location of Pushkin's office which is apparently in a strip mall near Delray Beach, Florida. She indicated that once the fee dispute is resolved, she intends to come back and spend time with her podcast, as you know, titled My Own Damn Podcast That Makes Money. She has been quite clear that when she gets back, and this is a quote, we are going to have a serious discussion about the use and sharing of the computer. Well, podsters, you figure out what that means. I'll leave you with this um, to mull over. Joe, by the by, I did get an email from Bushkin and he reminded me, no, check that. He emphasized that we should be vigilant. That's a pretty big name, big word for Bushkin. In reminding our posters that we are not historians, we're not journalists, although we've had past and present journalists join us, uh, we deal in urban legends, and if the truth gets in it, so be it. You can just look, look at us as a bunch of friends sitting in front of us, some sort of fucking Zoom call, talking trash about the city that loves you back. The land of the giants, as former Inquirer columnist Steve Lopez wrote on more than one occasion. So today we have a friend of MTBW and a longtime friend of Joe and mine for an Encore podcast. Lou Ager is here, and Lou is here to discuss Philadelphia Union. By the way, Lou has recently retired, although in talking with him, he appears to be just as busy as he is. His union work has called him, along with other politicos, back to the wars. So Lou worked for about 30 years. Lou, what was your position when you left, when you retired?
2: I was business agent organizer and uh, in-house counsel for operating engineers, local 542. I'm also head of, I was there about 15 years. I also am head of the union at Philadelphia Shipyard, the metal trades department, metal trades council, which we just got a huge order of uh, four ships. So we should be looking for, to hire a lot, a lot of people in Philadelphia If they, if we can find people with skills, which is a real problem. And I mean, I've been an organizer in the South and the nursing home business, in the healthcare industry and the textile industry and the clothing industry. i have been around the
0: unions. Most of my life. As We talked as a a sort of a starting point, uh, I'd like to ask you to sort of delve into some things that the young postures don't seem to understand or confused about. And that's the term prevailing wages. What does that mean?
2: Well, first of all, let me say something about our young podsters. They just did a poll of union approval. And in people under 30, union approval is in the mid-70s. Wow. So they like us, and we like them, and we want them all to join as soon as they get. The problem is so many of them don't have steady, real jobs. So many do gig work, but there has to be a way to organize them. As there's a way to organize anybody. You know, the prevailing wage is basically on, and, and, and there's two kinds of prevailing wage there's a service contract and, and construction. The prevailing wage for construction is any construction project paid for by public money has to pay the area standard wages in the industry. And that's usually close or at the union construction level. The same thing with this, the same thing with in the federal government, same thing with people that like clean the courthouses. Or are the or are the guards, or you know, do any any kind of service work at the court at the federal facilities? So, how
0: long has has that uh, concept prevailing wages been in effect, more or less? Oh, uh, right
2: around when Joe was born, 1934, 1935, something like that.
0: Something like that. <laughs> I thought he was born at the turn of the
1: century. So it was an FDR thing, with um,
2: yes. It was actually. It's funny. It was actually made so they couldn't ship cheap, cheap, cheap Southern labor up into the North and steal work and steal jobs.
0: Huh. I never. I never understood that, but at, that sort of makes sense. It does make sense. In the early nineties, when Rendell was first election elected, uh, Philadelphia went on sort of a building boom. They built the convention center. We were talking that they. I guess they redid Meridian, but they did Blue Cross Tower, Mellon Tower. What was your that a big boom to uh, the unions uh, was, uh, it was big, I
2: mean, people. I mean, people bought shore homes off the, that work. I mean, people were working six tens, making huge money. Cleared out, you know. It cleared out all the uh, people that were out of work in the union halls, and you know, iron workers and electricians and painters and glaziers and operating engineers just made a fortune and just they, they couldn't get enough good ones i mean plus you know you have all the other work that goes on the refineries and the, and and you know the shipyard was really booming back then was that Kraverner when they they came I in it was Caverner. yeah it was right around Caverner or acker it changed it changes names it seems like every year
0: we're talking about rendell a little and when he came in the city was at the point of financial collapse and he made some cuts and he'd gotten elected with a lot of union a lot of union support and he had to make some cuts uh and ha- and just describe what those how those cuts affected particularly the municipal workers the
2: big thing was they lost flag day
0: yeah i know i lost it too yeah,
1: i remember that
0: that yeah. was a lot of that was the golf tournament for the da's office <laughs>
2: I was just, a, just I mean, I, I don't know how you could sit across the table from, from management and say, we got to have flag day. But the reason <laughs> they got flag day is because Rizzo didn't have any money and wanted to give him something. So he oh. gave him flag day. Rindell, I always say, would rather have $10,000 than 10,000 votes. And he, if he can't sleep with it or eat it, he doesn't really care about it. He decided that the way to balance the budget was on the backs of working people. And he, and he did. He, he, he There was a strike. I think there was there was a couple strikes. I think there was also a um, fight between 47 and 33, the blue collar and, and, right. and white collars. I think because the blue collar settled first and then right. sort of yep. to cut the legs out from the white collar guys. The white that collar was, guys cut the legs out from the blue collar. That was
0: Cronin, right?
2: That was Cronin and and I think it was probably Pete Matthews at that time. I don't think it was, you know, who just lost election. I think three months ago. Wasn't was
0: so Earl wasn't there at the time. I don't
2: know when Earl went. Earl was uh, went on vacation and went back to co- went to college. He went to um, the sixty seventh Ward, right? He went to college, I think, for a while. I do recall he went to college.
0: Yeah, um, he definitely did.
2: By the way, for people to understand what the sixty seventh Ward is, it's uh, Allenwood Penitentiary.
0: We, we've we tried to explain that, but you can never say it enough. No.
2: Okay. One, of, one of the things, when he was running for trustee, in order to get the African-American vote, he, he had his good friend there, Milton Street.
0: Ah, there get, you go. Get
2: votes for Vince Fumo. Was was, Mil-
0: was he selling hot dogs?
2: Uh, no, Milton was uh, was in the 67th Ward with Vince.
0: Everybody was there. So in the 90s, there was a change in the uh, leadership of the AFL-CIO. I'm not sure if our younger podsters understand what the AFL-CIO and that it's actually a national labor. The
2: AFL, let me give you a little history. There used to be an AFL till 19, well, there's still an AFL. The AFL was always the building trades and a lot of highly skilled people, and they did not let unskilled people, mostly meaning immigrants, African-Americans, except For Irish immigrants, but they didn't let Asian immigrants, African Americans, Jewish, Italian immigrants mostly were, were involved in the AFL. They did become involved later, you know, when Samuel Gompers, who founded the AFL, who actually was a Jewish immigrant and a cigar maker, started it, but it was mostly for skilled labor. And they didn't really have any interest in organizing industrial workers. Well, in the 30s, well, there were some fits and starts in the textile industry and all this. In the 30s, The industrial workers just were organizing, just they couldn't organize fast enough. You had auto workers organized, rubber workers, steel workers, Textile workers, clothing workers were a little older, and all the basic industries were getting organized by the by the CIL. That
0: was because of starting because of wages, right? Or was it there were other stuff?
2: It was mostly wages, I guess, but you know, but there were other things: layoffs, speed ups, arbitrary decision. The same things that makes people join unions now. You know, <laughs> we're hoping Amazon gets unionized soon, right now. But anyway, so in 1950 something they merged, forgetting, and George Meany became the first president of AFP. FLCIO cio the merged organization. And they merged here too. So right. then we have the FLC in Philadelphia, which is for years and years and years run by a guy named Ed Tuohy. He's an older guy, single guy, and was so underpaid that nobody ever wanted the job. Along about 90-something, my friend- 90,
0: I think it was 91 or 92.
2: My friend and Joe's friend and Roxbarian and former 21st Ward Executive Board Member Joe Rauscher, took on Ed Toohey, and 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 I talked to the guys in the local and at one of the elections or the nominations there was such big fights. Between the Tui people and the Rousher people. The Tui people being mostly Johnny Morris and the Rousher people being the operating engineers and some of the other unions is just, just wanted the AFL CIO to be more active. There's a story, they're up at the balcony at the holiday Inn on 13th Street. And Johnny Morris's guys have socks with bolt with billiard balls in it. And one of our agents called the diesel is just he has these two huge hands and he's banging everybody left and right. <laughs> But it was it was somewhat it was somewhat of a uh, of, of a brouhaha. But in the end, Joe Rousher won. They gave probably gave Tui a nice pension. and he went away. Nice old man. And you yeah, know and, and the headline
1: said that Tui actually resigned and they wanted to retire. I don't yeah. know how true that was. It sound like what you're yeah, saying. But, they had a big battle leading up to that.
2: But Joe Rousher became president of the AFL CIO and uh, in the Philadelphia chapter. Philadelphia chapter, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia yeah. And uh, yeah. Joe knows Joe and I know Joe, knew Joe very well. He passed away about two years ago. He was also a player in a 21st Ward fight in 19, uh, 2002. He was, he was the guy, uh, well, I, I was running against, um, but we're st- we're very, very close. Well uh,
0: just so just so posters know when when Lou is referring to the 21st ward he's basically re- referring to the neighborhood Roxborough in Philadelphia up in the sort of the northwest part of the city. It's got a lot of working class people, union people up there, police, firemen and it's probably if it not is One of the safest neighborhoods in the city. I don't know if uh, Lou would agree with that.
2: The fifth district is the safest urban police district in America. I would believe it it. has been for a long time. Many many years. Not as safe as it used to be. Still pretty safe. Still very safe. I mean, I don't feel you don't feel unsafe in the neighborhood, do you, Joe?
1: No, no, hasn't been. been Yeah, Of course, the Roxbury Review doesn't report any of that stuff anymore. I didn't think there was a Roxbury Review
2: anymore. Yeah,
1: it still is. (laughs) But Joe Brousher was the kind of labor guy who would come out to community activism uh, events. Like He came to a lot of Philadelphia unemployment projects, rallies, the Action Alliance of Senior Citizens when they were around back in the early 90s. He came out to a lot of things. He was a good supporter.
2: He came out when we we tried to keep them from shutting down MCP. When we shut down Henry Avenue, right. They yeah, was there. Rob Brady was there. Me and Ralph Winder were pretty much the organizers of it. Ralph he
0: ran for office a lot. Winder, didn't he?
2: No, labor guy. No, he was. Uh, uh, Ralph Winder was the ward leader over in the thirty eighth. Across yeah. the um, the other side. Well, maybe, uh,
0: maybe the thirty eighth is in Winfield. Low, maybe. Thirty
2: uh, eighth yes? is in East Falls. Oh, well, okay. Then
0: then the 52nd is the, uh, that we were talking about, Nutter's Ward.
2: Yeah. Who?
0: Nutter's Ward, I think, was the 52nd. Who? <laughs> Good old, what's his name? We'll never forget <laughs> right. it.
2: The missing person, nobody misses at all, as the Dixie Chicks would say. So,
0: who right now is the head of the Philadelphia chapter of the AFLC? Pat
2: Eiding, who's a great guy, good mm-hmm. friend of mine, does it, uh, goes every place, does everything, active for on, on any issues in the city. I'm working with him right now, trying to get you know skilled workers down to shipyards. So I work with Pat on a weekly basis, trying to get people down higher down there.
0: Speaking of hiring, uh, what kind of, back to the 90s, what kind of uh, recruiting are the unions in general doing to get people who are not normally union people with you know, maybe high school educations into the stream, brown and black people specifically?
2: Well, I have to tell you, our, our union is is um, is probably Outside of maybe one other union, probably the highest number of minorities of any union in the area. In the city, I think we're like 48% minority. In the five-county area, we're 23. And that counts, you know, all five counties. Furnished pro- classes are probably in the high 90s, uh, African-American women and, and, uh, and
0: Latino. Are you working with the school districts of uh, the counties or how are not you recruiting?
2: Really, not really. I know that, that the head of the laborers did a program in order to get Philadelphia public school kids in. And they gave a test to 40 kids and three passed it. It's a disaster.
0: Wow. Yeah, well, that's the schools.
2: I know. I know.
0: Um, um, speaking of that, are, 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 it, are the charters unionized?
2: Some are. They've organized a couple of them. The one over in Olney, Aspira, is that the name yeah, of it? Yeah. They organize them. That's and there's a couple. They organize them. Um, the teachers have a have a uh, teachers union has a full time organ. I think a full time organizer. Working just on charter schools.
0: That's interesting because obviously uh, the regular public schools have a have a strong union presence. They've, uh, God, I, you're just doing this this podcast. They've they've had strikes all over the place.
2: Not for a while, but my mom was in two in a year. Well, was, <laughs> was
0: Hornbeck the uh, the uh, head of the union at that point? Yeah,
2: well, Hornbeck was head of the school board. You mean?
0: No, he was the head of the union. He was I the heard one. He, nah, he, I, well,
2: I can name every head of teachers' union from when they started. Yeah, he was yeah.
0: school superintendent. Oh well, Bill Hornbeck was the guy who said, "If you don't give us more money, uh, then we're I'm closing the schools."
2: I, I don't know. Back, yeah.
0: back in the back uh, in the Rendell early Rendell days. Yeah,
2: the big strikes were during the Green era, you know. Yeah,
0: well, he he didn't want any part of anything. He wanted to get out of there the day he walked in.
2: Yeah, well, and 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 followed by his son, who's missing too.
0: Well, I have no idea what, I mean, his, his father called council the, the worst deliberative body in the free world, and then his son walks in and gets elected.
2: Yeah, well, you know, as in Philadelphia, I call that part of the lucky sperm club. <laughs> There's a lot of guys like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, let me ask you about political power. Would you say in the 90s, the union's AFL-CIO was stronger than they are now or are the same or weak?
2: Oh, absolutely. I remember in the 90s, you wouldn't see a non-union contractor drive through Philadelphia, let alone try to bid work. Uh, there, You know, unions all over America were stronger back then. You know, we're still pretty good with building here. You know, we still, I mean, our union has all the cranes on every job, pretty much. There's, there's The fact is that it's hard to find skilled labor and you can't right, we find it in a non-union context. And second of all, a a lot of a lot of uh, contracts especially public contracts but a lot of contracts call for minority representation and the union people have no minorities cuz i go sco- i mean i one of my jobs is to count them to make sure that they're complying with things and they never have minorities but you know in the union in the union side there's a lot higher membership of minorities especially in our local the laborers the rod setters the iron workers in, in what we call the basic trades you know Bricklayers, people like carpenters, as opposed to mechanical trades, the electricians, the sheet metal, the sheet metal workers, the plumbers, and all.
0: We're but well, they're getting,
2: they're they're doing well too. They're doing a lot better than they were.
0: When you say the electricians, I, I wanted to ask you another question because it seems like through the 80s, there's been some heads of unions that have had, let's just say, legal problems. Uh, Long John McCullough, Steve Traits, and today Doherty- McCullough didn't have legal problems. Well, he's dead. And other problems, but not legal. (laughs) Well, that's what happens when you're a collection agent for the for the mob.
2: Oh no, John McCullough would. Who do you think killed him? Because he wouldn't knuckle under. (laughs) Well, John McCullough was a great labor leader. John McCullough organized this city, and 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 I'll tell you something. Guys like John McCullough and Jimmy Hoffa, who people like to bay mouth, and people say they're. But you know what? America was a lot better off. American working people were a lot better off when Jimmy Hoffa was the strongest labor leader in the country than they are now. So I'll take a guy like Jimmy Hoffa watching my back and watching my pocketbook and watching my my wages in terms and conditions of employment.
0: Well, my point uh, or my question is, do you think that having those types of labor uh, labor leaders have dissuaded people from joining a union doesn't matter or or somewhere in between? I
2: don't think it's dissuaded people. People want, you know, people want what unions have, which is good wages, conditions, and pensions, and retirement. That's what they want. They don't care if a, if a guy has to do, be aggressive in getting those kind of things. And God bless him, You know, that's what people want. You don't think management's aggressive? Just, you know, you don't think they're trying to do the things to stop people from organizing, to destroy neighborhoods, to destroy the, the planet? Of course they are. Look at what Amazon's doing right now.
0: Yeah, we, we, you mentioned that, and I know that they're uh, open in a pretty big facility, or they just opened it up in the Northeast. Uh, organizing going on there? Uh, I know there's talk of it nationwide.
2: Not that I know, of, but I don't think they've hired any p- people yet. No,
0: they haven't. As uh, far as I know. I know, they're in
2: the middle. Gotta wait it. till the people are hired to organize them.
0: No, that's true. I think Joe had some questions that he wanted to ask. First, I think about the, uh, the composition of counsel in the 90s and whether or not, Joe, tell me if I'm wrong, the, what their relationship was to labor and what it was, what it meant to labor if they were for you or against you. So Joe, you have that list that you wanted to talk yeah, to so more now about? I'm going to throw
1: some names by. Uh, let me know what you remember from these guys. So you got Joe Vignola. I know his father went to jail. I don't remember much about him.
0: Yeah. Well, he was—he ended up being the city controller for a little while. Right. Long. He was a one-term yeah.
2: guy. He was he's a one-term still around. Guy. He was under sheriff. Till a couple yeah, of- he yeah. I think
0: he's still, well, I don't know what happened with Bilal, but he was definitely under uh, Jewel Williams. He was definitely the... Yeah,
1: uh, I don't think he's there anymore. How about, I know. How about Anna
2: Verna? Long Mrs. Time. Verna, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, Mrs. Verna was a breed apart from anybody. She just stayed above the fray. Nobody said bad things about her. Nobody hated her. Everybody referred to her as Mrs. Verna. You know, she was the all-time longest employee of the city of Philadelphia no kidding. ever in history.
0: I, I, I didn't know that.
2: From like the time she was like 17 till the time she was in her 80s. All-time Philly city of Philadelphia employee. Was she in drop? I think she was in drop. That's why she didn't <laughs> run again. Everybody who was in drop didn't run again.
0: You know, there were some people that were in drop. And I think they resigned and then came back the next day. And they got some phony baloney opinion from the city uh, solicitor that was okay. Marge, right?
2: Pasco, maybe. And, and uh, some of them lost. Frank Chico was going to lose, so he quit. Ann Fern was probably going to lose, quit. Marge did lose. Marge Tartaglia yeah. did lose. Uh, and I miss her, boy. Okay. She was a piece of work. She was a piece of work, man. She was just, she was one of a kind. She's yeah, just in that know. office under that no smoking sign, smoking. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'll tell you how it's going to be, <laughs> but I'll tell you when. Marge was running against the the so called reformer Stephanie Singer, who. No, don't talk to me about I mean, she's banished. But somebody said, well, why are you guys supporting Marge? I said, well, Obama's gonna run. If something happens like this in Florida, who do you want protecting the votes in Philadelphia? Some do good reformer or Marge Startaglion, the toughest woman you know. And I said, and I said also to Stephanie, I said, Stephanie, I'm not scared of you. I'm scared to death of Marge.
0: (laughs) She ended up moving to to what, Portland, Oregon, and as a math teacher or something like that.
2: All she did, the only thing she did since she left was turn for Larry Farnese to the US attorney. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there were a handful of rookies who got elected in 91. Jenny Blackwell was one of them. Comes from royalty, right?
2: Yeah. 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 And as pro-union a person as there ever was in city council.
1: Well, Lou, is, Lou, is, uh, had a long well, Lou was a was head of the yeah. And of course, your good buddy Michael Nutter.
2: Yeah, well, Michael Nutter, you know, was an Angel Ortiz guy and was sort of a reformer. And I will tell you this, I'll tell you, I was for Michael Nutter when he ran. But I'll tell you, it wasn't about a big political thing. I was the committee person there, and I was helping him get elected when Ann land. And the reason I supported Michael Nutter is I got a parking ticket. And I was talking, to the guy I said, the meter's broken. So he wrote right on the ticket, meter broken. He said, you don't have to pay it now, but you got to do something. I didn't why. Anyway. So I call up Land Land's office and I said, well, just take a day off from work and go. I go, I'm tending to bar. I take a day off from work. I don't, you know, my, my rent doesn't get paid. I'm not, I'm not, you know, a guy that has sick leave here, time to go to court. That gave me a whole hard time. So I said, all right, next time she ran, I'm talking, I'm helping the other guy. Mm-hmm. I wish I would help Ann Land. We could have never had Mike Nutter again.
0: Well, Ann Land was one of the Boom Boom sisters. Harren's she Mike was the city editor of the daily news and he told told us back when apparently he heard about that they were going out to some conference in vegas and he said you know i've always been curious about what goes on there Uh and so he assigned some rookie reporter to go out there and he told the kid he said listen if they go and they're they're attending the conference then come home but if they don't Stick around and watch them. They didn't go for one second. They were playing the slots the whole time. So <laughs> the Republicans- oh, I'm
2: sure they were out there making contacts and doing city business. Stop. <laughs> sure. Stop. sure. I don't know why you would say that.
1: <laughs> Let me give you another name. Dan McElhattan. He had one term.
2: Yeah, I don't know. He's another guy that thought he was going to change the world and found out the world wasn't so changeable. Whereas Oscar said to Felix, "Is the Felix, the world's an untidy place. It doesn't like people going around trying to tidy it up. Oscar Felix from the iCon. I, yeah. For yeah. people that don't remember. That's yet.
0: why I was going to ask you. Who are they? <laughs> Herb DeBeery. Remember him?
2: Who? Herb DeBerry. He followed he, Joe Coleman. I do remember him. He was my city councilman. Yeah, he's yeah, like, he
0: was he was up here, Luke. He was up in the northwest.
2: Yeah, he was related to somebody, wasn't he? I don't know. He was there about a minute and a half.
0: Yeah, I think he had one term.
1: Uh, no, he, even didn't term. he didn't make it. Al Stewart had to finish out his term. So he must have got sick or something. And then who came after Al Stewart? Donna Reed Miller. Wow. Okay. That's all Northwest people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other new one was Happy Fernandez. Unhappy. Oh,
0: man. No? Happy Fernandez.
2: Story. Not too happy? Eh, you know, she was good for teachers and good for education. She actually, she was a parent in my, uh, of my mother taught her kids. Philadelphia, okay. the Powell School. Yeah. But the best story about Happy Fernandez when she's running against Arlen Specter and right after like the year of the woman and and, and Arlen Specter beat up on, uh, what's her name? Uh, Nita Hill. And, you know, and they were going to go get her. And, and Vince Fumo's talking to Happy Fernandez and says to her, I don't care. I'm not going to make you, beat you up. I'm not going to do all these things. I just want some input on Eastern District judges and the U.S. Attorney. Just want input on it. And she goes, well, I have to go check with people and I don't know if I can do that. Vince Fumo has the same conversation with Bill Clinton, who says, absolutely, not a problem. Right. (laughs) I'm sure Bill Clinton got back in the cars. Who's that Vince guy? (laughs) (laughs) Right. But Bill Clinton knew enough to say yes. Mm-hmm. something, whether he was going to do it or not. Happy Fernandez did it. Happy Fernandez and Vince Fumo,
0: those people in South Philly vote for Arlen Specter. Well, uh, let's clarify, because we were talking about the uh, violence at, at a union meeting. When you say he said that he wasn't going to beat her up, you mean politically, not politically? Physical. yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Brian J. O'Neill
1: might be threatening Ann Averna's tenure as the uh, longest employee.
0: No,
2: because Ann started as like a clerk or something in City Hall at seventeen.
1: Yeah, he came in in '79, O'Neill, and he's still there.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, guess what? He's still like 12 years behind, 15 years, because Aunt Landers went from. She was had to be there 65 or 70 years
1: total. So, what's his reputation with labor?
2: He'll help us out. I mean, I've called him on zoning issues, you know, see if he could help us out and help a con- talk to a contractor for us. You know, he's in the Northeast, so he's gotta he's gotta be like half a Democrat. He can't be like you know a, a Trump anti-union guy like that. You know, he has to. You know, he's like an old-time Northeast Republican. Doesn't beat up on unions, but doesn't love them too much. Knows he needs him to get elected, and that's and he's you know he's not a guy that's gonna rock boats
0: just for the posters. His district is way up there, I think, on the border of the uh, of the city. Am, am I right? I get my directions off. Yeah, he's above Cotton Avenue. Cotton
2: Avenue. Avenue is that it?
1: Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, above there. So another newbie, and this is the final new guy who got elected there, is Jim Kenny. What was he Ooh. like? with labor. Jim
2: Kenney's always been a strong labor guy and a strong public employee guy and a strong firefighter guy. His father was a fireman. Uh, right, yeah. You know, so he's always been a strong union guy. Uh, David Cohen. I mean, that's an easy one for you. David Cohen. I love David Cohen, but boy, his kids get on my nerves. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> somebody told me Sherry Cohen is running for judge again. And my words, exact words were, well, somebody rid me of this meddlesome priest. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, hey, look, David Cohen was was one of the great politicians in Philadelphia. Yeah. He knew he knew big things and he knew little things. He knew. I mean, he would have a resolution to make Philadelphia a nuclear free zone, which didn't count. But you know what? He also kept that old lady's gas from getting turned off in the middle of the night, which when he was running and it was lo- and him and on Ortiz were running, who had a little problem with not having a driver's license for like 30 years. I just become a new war leader and david cohen was looking like he was in trouble not winning again and 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 i would hear these stories he would go to ward meetings in places all over the city and people would say yeah we should get rid of david cohen He goes yeah but he turned my heat on yeah but he wrote a recommendation for my kid to go to college and there was always somebody at every meeting in the world that david cohen had touched and when we would have a ward event david cohen would walk through that front door he would shake every committee person's hand and walk out. And David Cohen, for all his lauding, laudification, or glorification by the left and the in the Progressive City, in his heart, he was a machine guy. And that's how he kept getting elected. And that's how his protege,
1: Bill Greenley, kept getting elected.
0: Greenley just retired, right? Yes. The last time out.
1: Yep. Well, David Cohen also had a genius running his operation Florence Florence. yeah he was awesome he wanted to get David to do something he went to Florence but the bet
2: when David passed away this is this is only a Cohen story both Sherry and Florence were fighting each other for the seat (laughs) 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 they both want to be appointed to the seat I go oh my god so Sherry (laughs) goes in Sherry goes in to see a ward leader and I'll, I'll let it, you know have to say his name. But she goes in to see the ward leader who's very close to Dave Cohen and says, uh, well, can you support me at city committee on, on this job? And the ward leader says, you know what, Sherry, I'm going to do exactly what your father would do. She goes, yeah, really? What's that? Whatever Bob Brady wants.
0: Into, into this Brady started into into being a ward leader he had been a committeeman out in the 34th but he became to move because George X. Schwartz, he was Schwartz was his primary mover when he yep. was young. And then he became Sergeant-at-Arms. I don't know what the hell they do, but he, he, oh, go he
2: became... John Street and, and, and Franny Rafferty, probably. That about. was a good fight. Franny <laughs> was
0: a big guy. Let me just go back to David Cohen for one moment. He ran for mayor a couple of times, didn't he? He, he
1: did uh, one. That was my first political campaign. I think it was like 72 that sounds bad. I volunteered, I was stuffing envelopes.
0: 71, 72. So he would have ran against Rizzo in, in one of those primaries for mayor, because Rizzo was a Democrat back then.
2: I don't remember that, but Joe's older than that.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. What else
1: you got on that list, Joe? You guys are youngins, just youngins. Angel L. Ortiz, how was he with labor?
2: Uh, he wasn't bad. He was good with public employees and teachers. He was not a big... See, the problem with Angel and Dave Cohn as far as the building trades were concerned, is they were against the stadium, you know, and we were for the stadium because we wanted the jobs, but they were good getting... and they were probably right. I mean, they, you know, why should why should I put money in Jeffrey Lurie or Middleton's pocket? Why should the taxpayers subsidize that? It's nice to have a nice stadium to go watch
1: football and baseball in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but there was a lot of those economic models saying that cities lose out. I've You're never right. read those things, but that was part of the argument.
0: Check out what happened in Cleveland. The Browns happened? moved. The Browns what? moved Cle- back around that time. Art Modell in Cleveland wanted, them to, wanted the city to, to, or Tioga County, kick in, and they they wouldn't. And he said, to hell with you, in the middle of the night, he moved. He moved, moved to
2: look at, look at what happened with, whatchamacallit, the Brooklyn Dodgers. And Robert Moses, probably the uh, one of the most controversial people to ever live,
1: one of the biggest builders of all time too. Of all time, do you know? Here's here's
2: the thing that Robert Moses, when he was building the like the Long Island Expressway and the free all those roads, he made the bridges low so buses couldn't get through, so minorities could not get out to like places like Jones Beach and the Rockaways because You had to have a car. You couldn't. The buses wouldn't go under the
1: underpasses.
2: Right guy, huh? Very
1: nice guy.
0: Well, people look at him like
1: he's a hero. I got a couple more here. Gussie Clark. Oh, Gussie. Uh, who
2: don't love Gussie Clark, man? Mm-hmm. You know, Gussie Clark was great. But Gussie Clark points out one of the anomalies of Philadelphia politics. What's that? that people named Green and Clark get elected exponentially more than people with other names. But when you think of all the people, Green, Greenlee, two Greens, and the other Green, Gussie Clark, Anthony Clark, all the Clarks and Greens. Think about them. And that's, that's just some aberration of philadelphia politics the greens and clarks get elected for no other reason than being green or clark
1: you got marion tasco
2: marion tasco up and cover came out of the uh gray, gray machine yeah that's when they were flexing their muscles yeah. and you know marion went from city commissioner she beat jimmy crumlish one of our 21st word guys yeah. and then, then she went on became city councilman became a powerful word leader, and. A, national leader and, you know, she's still, I think she's still on Democratic
0: National Committee. She retired, but I think she's still the war leader up here. No,
2: Sherelle's the war leader. Sherelle Parker's the Joe war But
0: Parker is, Parker is a, an acolyte.
2: Yeah. John Street, how is he with labor, particularly in the early John Street was the best mayor labor ever had since Tate. He was good with labor. He got elected because of labor. John Dougherty backed him as mayor. And he got a lot of work. And if it wasn't for John Docking and Building Trades, John Street would not have won that, been mayor. I forget who he ran against. Oh, he ran against Rizzo. No. Rizzo. good ran
0: against Rizzo in, in both times. Who did Street run against
1: for mayor in
0: the primary?
1: Oh, Alaska. while we're looking for that, how did Thatcher Lone Stretch love you guys?
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't remember Thatcher nonsense. I think he been a dotter, and old man, in a bow tie. Mean, I don't really remember him. I don't well, think he, I, he, I he just is, look at him and- I look, I look at him like he was a guy in a museum. I go, "Guys like this don't live in Philadelphia anymore."
0: You know? He he's an old line Quaker. Was he a Quaker? I'm pretty sure he was. Well, he's old a Chestnut Hill guy, argyle
2: yeah. socks and a bow tie.
0: He ran for mayor too.
2: A couple times.
0: I think he ran against Rizzo both times. I'm not positive. I know one. He once. ran
2: against Marty Weinberg in a primary.
0: Marty Weinberg, there's a name. Was he right? his, Yeah. Was Marty he Weinberg
2: no? was Ed Frank Rizzo's Guy was actually, you know, Marty Weimer was head of city committee at one point.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was that before or after
2: Dave Clancy? Dave Clancy was, it must have been before because it used to be because Clancy was Green's guy. Clancy. Yeah. Yeah. Green's guy who, by the way, Dave Clancy was an excellent poker player. I don't know if you know You
1: actually play with him You play with
2: him? Oh yeah Yeah. with him a lot He used to play in that poker game At the Pen and Pencil Club Which was crazy Him and Clark DeLeon And uh, Joe Bloom And I played once in a while But Dave was a great card player And a great guy um, but I guess he must've been under street because when green left street came in after good, cause good anyway, he, no, Marty Weinberg was a Rizzo. That's right. It went Rizzo, then green. So Glancy came in with green and then Bob Brady came in after that and has been there. For- that, yeah.
1: The rest is history. In my only, that- uh, David Glancy story is that I was doing some type of research project and I walked in on him and he's at his desk and I walked up and i tell him who I am and what I want. And I was looking for tax records for something. Brings out this big file card. He had all his tax records on four by six postcards written in pencil. That's how Philadelphia's individual taxes were kept back then.
2: Well, actually, I know Dave Glancy because Dave Glancy and Bob O'Donnell and a bunch of other guys used to be my patrons at the Beef and Ale at Wayne and Shelton. Well, that's
0: definitely O'Donnell's part of the world.
2: And Dave Glancy. David Glancy and, and Bob O'Donnell grew up on the same street, Logan Street. Oh, in, in Germantown in Germantown, yeah, right across from St. Francis.
1: Got one final one. Actually got two. Joan Spector, cheesecake lady. That was her last term was nineteen
2: ninety one to ninety five. Ah, uh, you know, she was Arnold Spector's wife and made nice things. Yeah. You know, she's a nice lady, you know. Who knows?
1: And that's it. That wraps up our city council for the uh what about B Chernock? Wasn't B Chernock there? No.
0: Well, that, that that was after Chernock's time.
2: Uh, B. Chernock was there in the 80s. Yeah, Chernock was my elementary school principal. 83 was her
1: last year serving. Oh, okay.
0: Joe ran through the council people in the early 90s. Who do you think, who would you characterize as the best labor person in council now and on the flip side, the worst?
2: The best labor person in council now. Well, it has to be Bobby Heenan, you know, who's comes from the electricians' union. Uh, I don't think anybody's more pro-labor than Bobby Heenan. There are people that are really, really good. But, I mean, my councilman's very pro-labor. Janie has always been pro-labor.
0: Yeah, well, Janie's, uh, Janie's not a uh, councilman.
2: Not a councilperson anymore. Uh, God, I haven't talked to, you know, Billy Greenley was, but he's not a council person anymore. Right. Sherelle, Sherelle was pretty pro-labor. Her husband's a member of the building trade. Her husband, her, you know, her husband's a member of MarLocal. She's, she, she, you know, she's real pro, you know, pro-building trade and pro-labor, you know, at all. Oh, she's always been supported by the, the laborers and public employee lo- locals. So I would say Sherelle, Bobby Heenan, Curtis. Curtis, you mean Curtis Jones? Curtis Jones, yeah. But that's because I make them do it. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think who else. I can't even think of these people off the top of my head. Who's a five? I don't even know who the five city councilmen are off the top of my head.
0: Well, how about on the flip side, who's somebody that you just that he labor just would not want to? Doesn't want to deal with labor or even help labor out on on pretty basic issues. Eh,
2: Dave owes no no bargain. We only have <laughs> two Republicans. Brian anneal doesn't hurt us. Kendra Brooks, certainly, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've never really dealt with her. I've you know, met her, but I've never really talked to her about like, you know, any kind of building trade thing, you know, but she's also, you know, she's a working family sport. for working
0: families. One last question. Over the years, and I'm, since I was a kid and you were a kid, Labor and the Democratic Party have been pretty much synonymous. Where does that go back to? And is that just going to go on for as far as we can see?
2: Well, it goes back to to the Depression and Franklin D. Roosevelt. You know, maybe even before that, maybe even Al Smith. But back then, Franklin D. Roosevelt's probably biggest union advisor, biggest labor advisor. In fact, biggest advisor was Sidney Hillman, who was head of the Amalgamated Clothing Workers Union. And Franklin D. Roosevelt used to always ask people, people used to ask him about something. He goes, just ask Sidney, whatever he wants. And I mean, the Republican Party had a chance, you know, they they did well with Eisenhower. And Eisenhower was a good guy for labor. But they, they're passing the right to work. They're, they're not for minimum wage and not for anything. I mean... I mean, you know, I mean, a guy like Al Schmidt has always been pro-labor. I mean, I saw Al Schmidt wanting to cancel a fundraiser, goes to the pick a line out front. That doesn't happen to a lot of labor, you know, and 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 Brian O'Neill, I don't think could win without labor. Look, Martina White won with one with building trades and cops and firemen. Up um, in the northeast. Up in the northeast, you know, but and same with Brian Fitzpatrick, one with the help of organized law. I remember Brian Fitzpatrick was labor leader, was honored by the Bucks County AFL CIO because he never takes a stand against us. Gene D. Girolamo, who's the Bucks County, um, mm-hmm. whatchamacallit Bucks County commissioner, was probably the best labor guy in all of Harrisburg, Republican or Democrat. He was a Republican
1: and the good but, best human services guy, too. Because, oh, yeah, he,
2: Gene human Services, yeah, G. Girolamo, uh, he's a great guy. He was a great, but you know, those guys, a few, if I can name them, that's about it. You know, I can't name any more. But the old guy, I mean, guys like Pelleggi and Tomlinson and Greenleaf, those old southeastern Republicans, they were the guys that kept the crazy Republicans are doing worse to labor. They stop right to work. They would stop right to work. They would stop, you know, paycheck deception. They would stop all these laws, you know, that would that would hurt labor because they, you know, they were like moderate Republicans. But all those moderate Republicans seats are now Democrats.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you bring up that term right to right to work. And again, I know, Joe, myself, and you clearly understand it, but maybe our younger podsters don't understand what right to work, Work means and means to the unions and to regular people who are not, they're white collar workers that don't really, are not really unionized.
2: First of all, right to work sounds good, but right to work is not about rights and it's not about work. It's about weakening unions. And right to work was started by a guy, I forget his name, but was basically a Klansman and didn't want African Americans and immigrants and people who have power. So he started this right to work. Now, right to work means that, like, if you went to a gym for like two months and then you said I don't want to pay anymore, but I still want to come to the gym, well, that's what right to work is. You can be a you don't have to become a member of a union, but the union still has to represent you. You don't have to pay a penny in dues, but the union still has to represent you. So really, it's just a weakened labor. It's not really to give anybody rights. Or anybody work. It's a, it's one of the great slogans of all time mm-hmm. and one of the most misleading slogans of all time.
1: My last question for you, Lou, is what's the future of Ward politics? I, I gotta
2: tell you, it, it's gonna to be tough with this with this mail-in ballots, because I yeah. mean the, the strength of word politics was your committeemen standing at the polls. Now, I mean, unless committee people really want to go back to old school knocking on everybody's door, which is really tough to get people to do i mean i do it but i'm old school i don't know i don't know what's going to happen i mean i think it's not good for it's not good for the body politic because one is just look what nina mod did she 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 spent all that money in the uh primary going on tv and nobody knew who the guys running against her were connor liam and christian christiana hartman i think her name was because she just overwhelmed the ad. She had more money. And that's what's going to happen with mail in ballots. On the other hand, Joe Biden is not president without mail in ballots. So it's good for some things. Looking that out, we, we, we know one of the things the city committee did this year is they endorsed judges early. So those judges could have help getting petitions signed, which is going to be a daunting t- task this year to get 1,200, 1,300, 1,400 petitions signatures on petitions in the middle of a pandemic. I know that if you go to the, um, whatchamacallit, you you go to the vaccine sites, there's judges out there getting signatures for people. Yeah, well, (laughs) gotta go where the people are. Yeah, and that's where they are, they're all on vaccine lines.
0: Going back to the uh, election uh, in the fall for Biden, I guess, that some of the people who lost were on the other side of the the ballot. And what they discovered uh, was obviously they were on the other side and people didn't flip it over but they did their advertising at the end and they and the people who turned in their balance they missed those people uh, these were for the row offices, so to speak, because they didn't appreciate how much that vote, the right in the, uh, the mail vote was going to going to affect them. Now, I think that that's going to be one of the things you'll, you'll be seeing. I don't know, but a lot more media two, three weeks out rather than in in municipal type elections rather than the weekend before.
2: I have to tell you that the only thing that keeps a diverse bench in Philadelphia is the Democratic Party. It is very, very cognizant of the fact that we need to look like the city. So there's always usually around a 50-50 split black, white, 50-50 men, women on the, endorse, in the endorsement process because we think that that diversity is a good thing and that, that people should, you know, we go quality diversity, you know, and, and, and that's a good thing. And I think that when this mail-in ballot gets worse, And if city committee, you know, if we don't learn to adapt, which I think we can, I think that you're going to just see rich white men on the bench and nobody else or people from big firms or people with a lot of money are the only people going to be on the bench unless we can learn to adapt. Now, I know what we're going to do in our ward probably as soon as we decided we're endorsing, we're going to send two mailings out. I can hit two judges for 400 bucks and get two mailings out to the ward from the ward with all the judges names and bios on it.
0: Well, let's clarify that for one second. When you say hit them for 400 bucks, you're not getting Make them pay
2: for their own printing expenses. And so that's that's postage. Whatever. No, it I mean, I in. you know, the mail and the printing is not
0: free. So for $400, they can get award mailing
2: out to every super voter's house in this in the ward and award.
0: Well, that could change too once you start to get email addresses for a lot of people. Then all you gotta do is hit a hit a
2: button. Let me get through this election first, Pete. <laughs> all right, <laughs> not worried about the next election. As I always say, somebody says, How you doing?
1: I go, hey, another election closer to death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you Just waiting around to die.
1: <laughs> That's a good note to wrap this up. Lou, thanks a lot for coming on all again.
0: Thanks, Lou. All
1: it's
2: thanks been a blast. Guys. Let's have a drink in real life as soon as this thing's over. Yeah, as
0: soon as this thing's over. Let's let, right. let's have a, a an ice cold beer. We'll let we'll let Joe pick the place. He's the beer connoisseur.
1: Actually, I've been buying a new bottle of Irish whiskey because there's so many different brands out there now, lots to choose from. So I've have got you, like three or four bottles just sitting here. Have you tried Connemara? I've seen oh, it. Oh, oh,
2: oh, good. That's the best. That in Windsor. <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> Windsor. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Music goes good with everything. That's uh, that's just a breakfast whiskey.
2: Breakfast, uh, breakfast of champions. Germantown's breakfast of champions. Winner, Canadian.
0: I don't know how many times I uh, wandered out of a house whose name shall be nameless on Westview Street uh, after having a couple of drinks...